0: Hi everyone. This is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Ricky Wessling from Wintech. She joined us for a webinar on how Wintech changed their traditional educational model to improve student outcomes and pass rates for the health science courses. Let's dive in. We have a question here from Mike. It is asking if there's any advice for other educators who are just embarking on revamping their approach. Thank you for your
1: question, Mike. What I would say is that when you're changing the way that you approach in your teaching, particularly if you're moving from lecturing with PowerPoint, for example, into an online learning program like LT, is not to take your PowerPoints and put them straight into the online learning platform. Think about how you can engage the students so how you can make their learning process more active transform statements into questions transform pictures into activities so it's not just a take your powerpoint and put it so it becomes effectively an online textbook into your your new online learning platform great and then we have another question here. It says,
0: what prompted you to take another look at your approach to teaching at WinTech prior to the
1: pandemic? Prior to the pandemic. So that would be at the end of 2016. So the main thing that prompted us to change our approach was the lower module pass rates in the health science modules compared to other first-year nursing modules and realizing we could do better. And like I said, during my presentation, it was the availability of new technology in which to do this differently that caused us to reconsider. Gotcha.
0: And then there's another question here. What had the single largest impact for the
1: instructors and the students at WinTech? Moving out of lecture theatres. I don't know if that's the single largest. Moving out of the lecture theatres and being able to work with smaller groups. So now we're working with groups of no larger than 20. And I think that allows us to get a better idea of how each individual student is going and to build a relationship with them, a learning relationship with them where you could truly meet the needs of individuals as opposed to students en masse.
0: That makes sense. And then we have two questions sort of back to back. I'll ask you the first one. Can you expand on your teaching of hands on laboratory concepts during the pandemic?
1: Hands on laboratory content. Okay. So an example might be when we were doing the, a blood glucose lab. So we have a blood glucose lab where we ask students to volunteer to not eat or drink anything except water for two hours before. Their class and then they, we take a blood glucose sample and then we give them the same amount of carbohydrates either in the form of rice or jelly and then we measure their blood glucose, the change in blood glucose over a, I think it's a 75-minute period at 15-minute intervals. So what we did in order to meet the needs of students during the lockdown was to We've got a bunch of the nursing tutors. The tutors came in and we became the volunteers for this experiment. And we took videos of taking the blood glucose, taking the blood glucose measurement, the tutors eating the rice or the jelly, and then we put up pictures periodically of the glucometer with the results on it and asked the students to add. We had photos of the the actual tutors that were involved in that, had asked the students to enter that into a table over time. And as they did that, they could see the change in, in blood glucose. So it was basically recording so videos and photos and putting those into LT. And then we were able to discuss the results and what they showed about the impact of different forms of carbohydrate on blood glucose changes and uh, the secretion of insulin and how that affected how that caused the blood glucose concentration to decrease. Really cool so
0: you guys kind of became your own lab subjects.
1: (laughs) We did yeah we had enough we had enough freedom under level three so that's level four with takeaways is the way we started calling it. We had enough freedom for tutors to get permission to go into the labs and do the experiments and video and photograph those. And then we were able to make that information available for the students.
0: Cool. And then the second part of that question is for semester B,
1: are the classes in person now? For semester B, so we started off at level one. For us, that means that life is pretty much normal, but our borders are closed and we're expected to contact trace, which means to scan QR codes when you go out and about so that should COVID reappear in the community, they're able to email or text us and let us know that we could have potentially been exposed. Anyway, Semester B started as usual. So with all classes face to face, we did give them the option of choosing an online class, choosing to be in an online um, stream. But when they found that that would mean they had to move out of their regular streams for other classes, they didn't want to continue with that. So that was an interesting one in itself we started off face-to-face and then when we went to lockdown level two, that was when we gave students the option to attend the tutorials either online or face-to-face. So they were given the option at that point. And then when we came out of level two and went back down to level one, everyone was expected to come back on. We have increased use of face masks here, but I wouldn't say that it's been adopted to the extent that it has overseas. And that's probably mainly because we've kept COVID under control fairly well. We still asked all students to come to the laboratory classes. Fortunately, most of those classes didn't fall within level two. And if students said that they were immunocompromised and didn't want to be in class, then we were able to provide them with the videos that we'd made for the previous semester. Great.
0: And then someone has asked, were the short videos that were produced produced using cell phones or did you have professional video cameras?
1: <laughs> Certainly not professional video cameras because we were making them at home with whatever we had. So I made my videos using, well, so actually there's two answers to that. So in my course, I made videos with PowerPoint. So I made animations describing particular concepts and I did a voice over, I made animations and did a voice over that. I had a workmate who used the cell phone to take videos of things like blood typing labs. So she used the cell phone. So no, definitely not professional. They were amateur at best, but the students still appreciated seeing and hearing us. Yeah, of course. We
0: have a comment and a question from Louise. She's saying, thank you. That was a really interesting presentation. And then she's also asked, how long did it take to develop the flipped course
1: materials? Mm, Good question. Thank you, Louise. I would say that when we were considering the PowerPoint material, for every two hour, every PowerPoint that we would have normally presented over two hours in a lecture, it would take about 10 hours to make an LT lesson on that same concept. But once you've got it in LT, it's really easy to change. So I, I would say that up front, it takes A lot of time, but LT is exceptionally easy to use, very user-friendly, and it means that going forward you can continue to use that same resource with minor tweaks should you need to make them. So, yeah, there's an initial input of time, but I've found it very much worthwhile.
0: We have maybe one last question, maybe two. So, Rosalie has asked or has mentioned that her main difficulty today in COVID is to assess students using a remote learning Do you have any advice for remote
1: assessments? Mm. Geez, we're still, we're very much beginners when it comes to remote assessments, Rosalie. And it's something that seems to be a hot topic at the webinar conference I've been attending lately. And people's solutions vary from where they're able to bring people in, bringing them in and getting them to do the assessments in class, but spreading them out. So having them over several classes to having proctoring technologies that watch what's going on to other people's approaches seem to be just assume that they're going to look at other resources other than just using their memory and adapt your questions so that they're less Googleable, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. What, what I'm tending towards is the last approach I described, where we won't say explicitly this is an open book test, but we will write questions um, using more images. So, for example, what is the function of structure A? Or can you explain this concept illustrated in this diagram where they can't just take the question, put it into Google, and get the exact right answer so I have been going through and taking my questions and googling them and finding what kind of answers are provided quickly and then uh, rephrasing my questions to make that process more difficult I'm not sure if that's helpful or not but that's where I'm sitting with it at the moment
0: hope you enjoyed this episode of expert answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work offer tips tricks and best practices but most of all share science don't forget to subscribe